was just launching into it. Moira Davey, thank you for coming. They're welcome to Adelaide, by the way. Early flight. But uh, that's we only do early flights here. There's only one a day. So, um, no, that's not true. I just made that up. You're sitting on the based podcast, uh, and we invite people to our base. And you are, if anyone has based, you are based. So, welcome. No one's had a baptism of fire. It's 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 been a baptism of fire. So, um, you know, what are your pretty what are your impressions of politics so far? Uh, very different to what I expected. So I knew a few upper house MPs before, and uh, you know, when I was asking people they might like to work for me, I was saying, look, you'll be really bored. I'm so sorry. You might be able to do some study on the side. And as far as I could see, it's a bit of a boring job, but you know, I need people that I can trust and that are organised. And uh, they constantly remind me about the false advertising that I give in terms of employing them because it's vegans. It should have had roller coaster ride written on the, on the on the application, yeah. And what about um? I mean, your your background is an interesting one because you you've said before you come from a long line of you know kind of labour family. Like you've got a, you've got a sort of a labour labour background, probably more labour MP, yeah. Um, you know, heavily unionised um, labour. You know. On my wedding day, my mum was pretty shattered. Anton Cradola's marrying a Presbyterian liberal, and she said, "You know, where it comes from? Good Catholic labour stock." Um, you know, and that's true. They were really great people, and they, I think, um, really represent what labour used to be. You know, in the heart of what unions are supposed to be, and the heart of what um, a centre right kind of philosophy would be. You know, in public service. That's been huge in my family. You know, um, being you know, just doing good in society, thinking thinking about your community. You know, I know that I got all of that from my centre-right Labor family upbringing um, and I haven't changed, uh, but I did happen to notice as I got older, uh, you know, the corruption in the unions. You know, people complain about, you know, greedy capitalist things running profiteering businesses and when I looked at the unions and how they were scraping money out of hard-working nurses and teachers pockets and going on you know tours around the world and they had you know they had incredibly lavish salaries and they would splash money around for one political party i knew that was rolled that was not right um and the fact that you know you were expected to vote how they told you to i knew that was wrong um and my family you know my family didn't agree with any of that um but there, there is this loyalty to the unions because they care about low-income people who don't have anyone to advocate for them and that is so honourable and I still believe in all of that. Um, I just think it's really sad that the unions in Victoria have become so biased. Um, you know, it's just, it's just a tragedy. They've corrupted each other, the party, the Labor Party and the unions. The whole discussion about that, I reckon, about what's happening to the pendulum of politics. And I'm, I, I, I say it all the time in Canberra. I think we are now the party of the workers in many ways. It's, you know, we we are now the ones looking out for, um, you know, that 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 uh, constituency that used to be Labor's heartland, and it's, I think it's it completely turned on its ear. You know, the, the the left of politics, if you like, is now the establishment, uh, and the right has sort of swinging the other way in many ways it's just uh, it's quite fascinating for a political point of view and it's all happened it came into focus for me in terms of how you know people talk about big government and i don't think that really hit home for me until i realized that big government is not lovely welfare and tweaking little things forcing people to share a little bit more 
they're a little bit selfish. You know, it's the removal of parental rights. It's the removal of bodily autonomy. It's the removal of your freedom to associate. Um, you know, that that is not what ordinary centre right or left people believe in. Um, they I don't recognise the Labor Party at at all. Yeah, it's interesting because I mean, a lot of the people that I know in the Labor Party that would have similar views are now entirely marginalised. And in fact, I find here in South Australia, they're the ones that get marched out to deliver the leftist message. You know, often you know, there'll be something that's happened or one of our people will send a letter saying, you know, oh, we want to do this. And the person they'll send out almost marching them down the plank is the is the person you know that's kind of a, would be traditionally a DLP Labor type. Um, so it's almost the left of the Labor Party are now well and truly in control and you know, we're all suffering for it. It wouldn't be easy under our bodies. We told him, we told him. Um, but just back on, in terms of your childhood, you, you, you grew up in a sort of, a, you say, a community-based kind of family that, that were kind of interested in these issues with it. Was stuff politics talked about over the dinner table? Or was it more in, innate than that? I think I just grew up watching um, people serve others, and especially in the role of the union. So my mother worked... Um, you know, in the union industry with nursing. So she was with the Australian Nursing Federation and things like that. And I just grew up surrounded by very, very powerful, very articulate, very highly paid, very confident women on the left. And they were good women. They were. They weren't um, They weren't asking for the kinds of things that Labor now advocates for and that um, I don't see enough of a fight being put up for. Um, in in our side of politics, Camille. Yeah. yeah, and and in terms of um, you know how you first sort of got a concept of politics being something you might want to pursue. You also had a career in teaching, right? When, when was the fire lit? Uh, I had no intention of getting into politics. My husband was the political one. I was. I just wanted to be a teacher and a mother. And you know, politics barged its way into my life. You know, my husband was always political, always wanted to be a member of the Liberal Party um, and wanted to help. He wanted to find good MPs to help. He really got it earlier, far earlier than I did, about how important it is uh, not just to vote for a political party but to get to know the candidates, to be involved, to help choose those candidates, to be a member of the party and help to steer it and to keep them accountable to the values they say they're representing. I get that now. Um, But I still didn't want to be an MP. It was just as a teacher... I started hearing about the safe schools program and I thought, no, no, people are just being a bit hysterical. That cannot be the truth. That's illegal. We aren't allowed to do that kind of thing. We're teachers. We know what child safeguarding is. Um, But then over the course of a few years, I just had an opportunity to look into a, a a few pieces of curriculum and it absolutely destroyed my trust in the government. It destroyed it. I was shattered absolutely shattered this was unacceptable that they had hired people who advocate um for what they call child sex rights which as far as i could tell to like um legalizing i mean i'm not, i refuse to call it sex with children it is raping children i just can't believe that they would advocate for that either paper they haven't retracted it and they were involved at all in the design of our curriculum i know that that sounds hysterical to people but i have the resources if you really want to check it out um, and I just couldn't believe that. And so I was raging around the house for three days and, you know, my husband's like, what, what, you know, we didn't do it, Laura. You know, why write an article? And I think that's where it started. 
you know, that went viral, um, being a teacher, you know, I was just going around trying to get people to understand what the law was. So look, it just politics barged its way into our life. I think my husband saw from very early on that, um, he thought that I should go into politics. So I just kept on saying, no, 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 just find me a good candidate and I'll support that candidate. I just want to be a teacher, but I just kept going. I just kept on not being able to stay silent. I just couldn't resist. I could not, mm. could not stay silent. Um, and so got onto council, you know, and I got onto council on first preference votes in a dead red area with not a sickly, I think <laughs> someone nagged us about putting out flyers. I didn't do a single post up. I just had a Facebook site and, um, people were looking at that. And, uh, I have said, you know, I don't agree, um, with taxes being spent on for our queen story time for children, I don't agree with biological males being able to access female only spaces like toilets and change rooms. I don't agree uh, with dealing with issues, you know, with, with promoting cancelling Australia Day or things like that or any fringe issues. Money should be spent on the basis of need. End of story. Um, and even in the Western suburbs where every single lower house seat is labour and very convincingly labour. I got in on first preference votes alone and that's, and then once I was in there and then I was reading more documents and writing even more scandals and I just, I don't know, I've just been pulling this thread and now I'm in public. And, and here it is. Interesting how many you know, times I hear that. I, there's a phenomenon in the US which is mums getting involved holding mums for liberty yeah. uh, and just, uh, you know, people like Kari Lake and, the, you know, they talk about the, uh, you know, the mama bears like, you know, and I keep saying, I keep saying it over here to people don't muck around with the mums like the mums. When they're on a roll, they will they will get the job done, and we're seeing that here. We've got similar sort of stories of people that just got interested in politics over a range of issues. Some of them are, you know, a lot of them are social issues, but not always. And um, and all of a sudden, they just found themselves on this path. But and to me, that's what politics is, because yeah. um, too often on both sides of politics, we see people that are just political animals becoming politicians. So whether it was unionists on the Labor side or political staffers on the Liberal side, that the mission has got to be getting real people who are driven by something back into politics. I think, I, I think that's the story you just articulated yeah. there. That's right. And that, when I first ran to the Liberal Party, I, I ran in St Albans just early on. They they needed someone. I said, you know, I'll run for you. But uh, it was very funny. All these people on the lines assumed that I was a lawyer, a Liberal starter, that I had come from Albert Park, that I did locally. Um, and then I said, no anything about the local area and they were wrong on every single front yeah. uh, and that means a lot to people that have been taken for granted by Labor for so long like people out in the West because they really have they keep voting for Labor and Labor just absolutely spits in their faces and I, I do believe that you know if we are a viable alternative if, if we stand up for our own values which actually are the values of you know ordinary working class Labor ride their values are our values they just I don't they quite understand who we are. I know that we will win. It's so I mean, I was keep saying it was asked the other day that same question. The, the Liberal Party speaks to its base when it speaks to its core values and we have to enforce them. We have to make sure that they're being they're being heard. I totally agree with that. But um throughout the course of your you know, I guess early stages you were you were in teaching. Yeah. Uh now that would back you would you spend a decade in teaching or something before okay. politics a little bit over to now tell me about that because I'm interested in where that slide started obviously you saw it with the safe schools thing but did you notice a bit of a drift in the curriculum prior to that are you noticing a sort of progressivism coming into teaching or yeah I noticed that uh the words that 
were taught to me in the classroom, like tolerance were being replaced with inclusion. And it really, it meant forced inclusion. You know, uh, I, people, you know, criticize us for talking about indoctrination in the classroom as if we don't know that teaching values is a, is a sort of a form of indoctrination in terms of you're teaching them to believe one thing over another, of course. But this is different. This curriculum, all of these curriculums and these shifts in language, they're backed up by punitive policies. That's the difference. So we used to be able to disagree. We would tell the kids, you don't have to agree. I don't really care whether you agree or not, but you have to work together just like adults do in the workplace. You get the job done, you cooperate, you be civil, you get the job done and you go home. Um, but the policies, you know, for kids having to be sent off for counselling, for expressing disagreement about, um, you know, gender ideology as though they are bigots, it, that is indoctrination. That is not learning. That is punitive. That is just coercion. And I, it's just absolutely cruel. And I really have no respect for teachers that bring their political ideology link to the classroom. You know, I, I, it was a point of pride for me that they didn't know which way I voted until I ran. And I didn't even tell them that I was running. Now they know it. Now they know. <laughs> <laughs> but when, when did you start to see that shit? Because I'm the same. I can't remember teachers drifting much into politics at all when I was school, probably a long time before you, but um sadly uh, but uh but certainly it was all just very you know i was the same i, I sort of had an idea i didn't really understand politics at school but i thought well maybe that person's this and maybe that but i never really knew i, I imagine now in the schoolroom, apart from really the fact that presumably anyone who's conservative just is quiet in that environment but i mean there must have been a, a point where that kind of tipped and, and all of a sudden the the the, the, the whole thing changed and now he became this indoctrination. I mean, that, that's what it looks like from the outside. Yeah. Well, I did notice that, uh, yeah, because the Safe Schools program was designed um, ostensibly to stop bullying of gay kids. And, you know, my point was that when was the last time the gay kid got bullied? What, the 70s? I don't know. Nobody allows that. You point out a teacher or a school to me that systemically allows bullying of gay children and I will be the first to say you know fire those people get rid of them do something about it 100% but I have just never seen that I've never seen that that didn't even happen when I was a student I don't even know what they're talking about it's so late and I thought you know that's fine um, and I know that some people link it with the same-sex marriage uh, issue but from my perspective we already had um, you know homosexuality was a reality in classrooms in terms of you know it was talked about I guess not much but but we didn't talk about their sexuality really much at all. It was not pushing one direction or another. Well, what I noticed in terms of the shift was after the gay marriage vote, it wasn't the homosexuality stuff that changed everything. It was the transgender ideology. With the transgender ideology came these incredibly um, starkly different curriculums and policies that we had never seen before. They had, and they, they always said it's because of LGBTQ or whatever, but it was nothing to do with LGB. It was the T. We had never seen anything like this before. It removed every single child safeguard that we had. They brought in doctors in schools program, and I was thinking, excuse me, no teacher, for very good reason, is allowed to be alone in a classroom with a student. Why is there now some random doctor allowed to be in a in a classroom somewhere on this premises alive with one of my kids with a mandate to lift up their top? No. 
That is outrageous. That is a stupid idea. Children are at risk. You would never allow that. If any teacher was alone in a room with one of my students, I would barge in and say, "What's how are you going? What's going on here? You know, to help the teacher even if they got trapped alone in a you know, classroom with a kid. Um, so they, I just couldn't believe it. They they started to bring in all this erotic sexuality. They started talking about children, like they needed to know about erotic sex. You know, I was thinking, I'm not a madam in a brothel. I'm happy to talk about, you know, where babies come from. I'm happy to talk about consent. I'm happy to talk about um, sex in a generic kind of way that's not going to humiliate the children. It's not going to impose and remove their boundaries and their right to privacy. These curriculums are some questions they need to divulge, sexual experiences that they've had they're willing to have they need to learn about you know erotic sex acts and i just think this is so inappropriate this there's a there's a term for this already if you did this in a staff room i would complain and i would win that i was being sexually harassed it does feel like a phenomenon it feels like i had it and from the outside it's hard to see where it started and how it became a phenomenon but we're now seeing it in books, we've got um, you know a couple of notable cases locally of, of public libraries stocking books, uh, and we did a bit of work on this during the classification board during set of estimates. And you know, to me, the the, the laws surrounding classification in libraries are woefully ina- in, inadequate. So there's this big gap in the market. It's almost like the system didn't see this coming. It's sort of push on the kids, you know. And um, so I, I, I don't I don't know where it where it goes, but we, I know we've got to fix it. And um, yeah, it's well. I mean, if the Department of Education lowers their standards to the point where it can say um, human beings are erotic sexual creatures and their sexuality starts when they're born and only ends when they die, I remember that sentence, it does not start when they're born. There's only one category of people who think that anybody who is a minor is sexual and we, we, we rightly think of them as having criminal intent. You know, I mean, that's our that's our Department of Education. That our legislation has allowed this, um, and you know, it's promoted in the policies. They they pretend it's anti discrimination. That's rubbish. You know, and and then I see that libertarians are saying, oh, you know, stop it with the book burning. This isn't about book burning. This is about doing no harm to children. Um, so look, I just think we need to get some decent standards back in society and not shy away from them or be ashamed of them. What, what, I mean, what percentage of people do you think would agree with that out in the big wide world? I mean, I don't even think I've ever met someone who does disagree. I mean, 99%. I mean, it, it's just interesting because because one of the things that always strikes me when I walk into the building of parliament is that it feels like an alternate universe. Like it, 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 yeah. it feels like a great big bubble where the sorts of things you take in in your own mind and you try to prosecute in that environment are not the sorts of things that people are talking about in that bubble. Um, and it, it almost makes you feel like you're the one that's lost their mind. I mean, you know, that uh, speaking of, uh, in favour of a, uh, one of the things, One Nation, actually put up a motion about um, gender ideology and having a committee to, to look into it and the pushback on the other side of the chamber, the tears and the, you know, the, the kind of the name calling over something which was a simple and I think fairly benign investigation. You know, we love transparency except what it pushes against. You've got right. nothing to hide that Correct. So... I, I, the thing I'm fascinated about is how those buildings, and I, I reckon this is the case all across the country, have just lost touch with the person out on the street. You know, if you threw a dart out on the street, you'd hit someone that would agree with what you just said. But they're not sitting in our parliaments all the time. Many are. There are many good people in there, of course, but not the building, the zeitgeist of the building somehow crushes that. Well, I do have 
this repeated experience where those exact people will say to me on the, on the sly, well, I agree with you, actually. We can't say these things in public. I actually said to one of them who came in and, and I just looked at this woman and I said, I'm not grateful and neither will the women and children out there be grateful when they find out that you hid behind me like a human shield and threw all of us together under the bus. Yeah, there's a bit of that. I've had a bit of that myself, I have to say, but um, the event. Now, this, of course, uh, this this sort of phenomenon in schooling has caused a big homeschooling movement. Yeah. A lot of people have jumped out. Um, I mean, you're seeing more and more of that. You're hearing about more more of the homeschooling movement. It seems to be a phenomenon. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there are so many benefits to it. It's just a, it's like a lifestyle change, a tree change, a sea change. Um, it's a really lovely thing to do while you have children. You know, they grow up so fast. Uh, so my family, we started homeschooling our children, um, you know, due to a bullying issue, we weren't, and I'm still not opposed, you know, to, to schooling in a school system. Um, obviously I want charter schools and all these other things like, uh, like America has because I have better outcomes. And as a teacher, I can tell you the more autonomy you give me, I'm so motivated to help those kids learn. You know, I just, I just need to get rid of all this bureaucratic nonsense so I don't focus on the kids. So there's lots of benefits like that. Um. But also, you know, it's very, very effective. It's very academically, it's very effective um, for their social networks and their social skills and the closeness of the family. It's so effective, even down to things like, you know, we get to take holidays in the off peak all the time. Um, you know, we took our kids, um, you know, we just latched onto one of my husband's business trips overseas. You know, we just took the kids with us, you know, obviously it's hard with kids, but it's fun. You have these adventures together and you're a real you're strengthened as a family unit and you know because it got to the point where I felt like I was pouring out all of my energy for other people's children who you know I don't regret that I really love serving families I love helping kids um I'm not feeling like I'm helping create a better society by you know helping look after children but you know to find out that my my eldest was being bullied and that her teacher was not actually looking after her like I would have looked after other people's children that was pretty shattering to me and I thought well actually I am her mother it's, I should actually be focusing on my child first um, and not outsourcing that um, necessarily if I, but I'd have to and so we started homeschooling sort of out of that crisis but I just fell in love with it I couldn't believe how effective it was all the things I'd been trying at school and not you know I was quite successful I was a pretty good teacher I had a good relationship with the parents but I didn't learn how to teach at university. They didn't teach us how to teach. I, I just can't believe it. It's no wonder to me now, looking at the system, that no one's, everyone's illiterate. <laughs> I, I get it now why they're illiterate. Yeah, what changes it? Like, what, 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 okay, so you're down charge, the magic wand of the education department. What, what do you do? Uh, so you create um, almost like silos of subjects. So you do not progress just because you hit a certain age. You know, some kids, they're just gifted in maths, but they need extra help in English. They need to slow down in English. So you let the kids, who are, whoever, whatever age they are, if they are at this level of maths, they can go to that class. So there was a school in the CBD actually. I was not gifted at maths. You might have if you, if the teacher didn't have to just keep on rolling over into the next section of the curriculum without, without actually checking and making sure that everyone had mastered the content. Looks nothing in your course. This is where my teacher arrogance comes in. It's like, I make that decision. <laughs> um, you know, I just think 
there's just, you know, it's mastery or it's nothing. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter how old you are. You don't be ashamed of, of um, working hard and achieving mastery. It doesn't matter if it takes a bit longer. That doesn't matter. Uh, but that would be difficult outside the the scheme that the, because I, part of this issue is bureaucracy is yeah. every everything that I see problems with the health department. So there was a school in the middle of the CBD that had a high proportion of migrant children. So they had English as a second language, but they were obviously perfectly bright, perfectly well educated in other subjects like science and maths. If it's a more universal kind of language and that principal asked for permission to do that exact thing, that silo learning. So in the morning it was maths and you went to whichever maths class you were at the same level at. Didn't matter about your age. Same with English. Um, and all the children, not just the children with English as a second language, but all the children started to exceed expectations. Um, and there was no shame in it. There was no shame about age. But, you know, it was really about mastery. And, and that's, I can't believe it, you know, they want to do all these things about investing in kids, you know, with their mental health um, and their self-esteem. I'm like, if you help them succeed, yeah. it will come naturally. Just help them succeed. They will know that they are smart, that they are capable, that they can fend for themselves, that they have agency over their lives. You know, you don't just, I don't know, throw compliments at someone yeah. and hope it sticks, you know. Mm. Of all, and they can. Do they not believe that these kids can do it? I believe they can do it. What am I being paid for if I can't help them learn to read? I don't even understand the point of anything if that's not the goal. So we've got to talk about the the, the rally. I want to talk about Posey Parker, Ellie Jane Keane, and um, what. So how, how did you get to involved and know her? Did you did you know her beforehand? Did you sort of co- you know corresponded? Uh, no, no, I didn't know her. She's a big superstar, basically. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, I just had been following her as a as a mum, basically, and uh, with my couple of my friends, you know, we would watch her uh, shows, you know, over a cup of tea, think about things she was saying. Um, I, you know, I didn't know her, and I heard she was coming to Australia. Um, and, and she's a she's a just to be she's a she's a women's rights speaker, like she's a she's a pro and, and parents' rights and parents you know and child safeguarding. So, like I said before. Um, you know, I'm not anti anyone actually, but you know, the the self ID laws, the transgender transgenderism as a philosophy incorporated into the law has had catastrophic impacts on women's rights, on child safeguarding, on parents' rights, and you know, even just ordinary freedom of speech, you know, with lost pronouns, um, freedom of assembly, you know, with the anti discrimination law and and, and School's not being able to teach an ethos that happens to disagree with the validity of that philosophy. You know, everyone else is allowed to disagree with the school. The school's not allowed to disagree with anyone else, even though apparently those special characteristics are equal in the law. Anyway, I'm being on my mind more. So basically, you know, people call her anti-trans. They would call me anti-trans just because we're talking about, um, yeah, we do talk about the transgender issue, but it's because it's decimated all these rights in the law. If it was, I don't know, a church doing it, I would say the same thing. I would be saying the same thing. Uh, you know, children are being medically transitioned and socially transitioned, you know, with and without their parents' consent, without a, any evidentiary basis, without any concern about the fact that they are actually too young to know what they're consenting to. They're losing their sexual function. They're losing their health. I read recently in the UK that there are this new wave of you know, 30-something-year-old women who have had complete, um, 
hysterectomies, right? As I, with the oophorectomies as well. So absolutely no female hormones and they go into catastrophic early dementia. And so they're being housed in um, elderly facilities and being assaulted and they have no memory. It's just catastrophic. It's a disaster. Um, women are no longer have access to single sex change rooms. You know, there's all these compounding factors. You know, over in the West, I have this huge Muslim pop- population. You know, I find it extremely upsetting and um, offensive and unacceptable that males are allowed into my change rooms. But for a Muslim woman, that's so, that's a whole new level of seriousness for this Muslim woman. Um, you know, so they're reaching out to me. They're upset. Um, I try to get an answer from the government. They just don't seem to care. They, in fact, you know, told me that I should be teaching our Muslim residents to be more inclusive. Unbelievable, is it? Yeah. Um, so look, so nobody's anti-trans. We're just upset about what's going on in the law, you know? And, and so Kelly J. Keene is this, you know, she's one of the original um, activists on this, I, I would say. She was just a mum like me, actually. She's yeah. a mum of four. Yeah. She put up a sign. This all started because she put up a sign with the definition of woman, adult, human, female. Yeah. And predictably, she predicted that all these uh, trans rights activists would lose their minds and, you know, create an absolute storm in the media, which they did, which she then capitalised on, mm. to talk about these reasonable issues, like with the need to roll back these um, imbalances in the law to protect women's rights, to protect children, to protect parents. And that's really all it is. Mm. And we were just a couple of hundred women. We were surrounded by hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of terrifying far-left activists, um, you know, they were threatening us with violence. They were throwing things at us. I was assaulted. You know, I was kicked in the legs. Another woman was knocked over at, um, unconscious. So these are the things you don't see on, on the news, right? These are the things. The, the sort of scene there was hostile. I mean, I know there's a particularly terrifying, nasty uh, leftist element, particularly in Victoria. Yeah. Uh, almost Antifa style, you know, for those who aren't aware of Antifa, with this kind of radical left-wing um, uh, protest group. But they were there at the day and... They were separated. They were, I think, off in, yeah, in, were, a little bit back. Yeah, so there was a huge, I don't know, I'm about 10, 15 metre buffer zone yeah. um, that the police, I mean, I don't know, I got there late, but for some reason, you know, the police had established or they, they became, you know, naturally this buffer zone um, that was created. Apparently there were six or seven groups there on the day. Apparently there are still people who go there every month um, to protest the mandates and the lockdowns and things. And so I think they were there somewhere. Um, but I just know that I thought that the, you know, the, the very violent group of people had broken through the police lines and were coming at us when I saw them edit the masts. Well, you know, I thought they were Antifa. Um, but they were just hanging around very strangely, slowly on the, on the outskirts. I couldn't, this is the men dressed in black. Yeah. Mm. They, like, we didn't know that they were Nazis. Couldn't see any Nazi insignia. I didn't see their sign until later on footage. Um, they had already had a fight um, with some of the other socialists. So the National Socialists were having a fight with the Nuts. Very confused about why you're fighting each other. To me, from my perspective, they look like the same group. Yeah. Um, you know, and it was a tense, very stressful day. Um, you know, I was the police there um, asked for it to be shut down early. I asked the security guards, you know, to shut it down early because that's what the police would like and because the police were worried about their safety. Yeah. Um, you know, none of us had any idea, none of us had any idea that anyone, anyone would even dream of saying that those men who didn't come near us, who didn't stand with us, who didn't speak with us, who didn't listen to our speeches, who just sort of were trying to fight the other two groups, uh, I don't even know why, 
they seemed like the same group to me. And then they, they were escorted out. Um, we didn't know that anyone would conflate us with them because that's insane. Um, you know, and the first time I saw them do a salute was when they were being escorted out. Um, so look, it, it all came as a real shock to, to be conflated with people who are promoting, you know, race based laws when we're just talking about sex based rights, you know, they've got one has nothing to do with the other. So look, it was all a bit of a shock. It was very confusing. Um, and what can I say? One of those things that I learned very early on is how much power there is in the media. Once they pick up on a narrative or, you know, once a narrative is born, um, how that can just take a life of its own. You know, I've, I've sort of seen a bit of that myself through, you know, various interactions with the useless news media that we have. Um, so everywhere. Um, but this seems to me to be that version on steroids. Like this was, you know, it was almost like one and one equals three, you know, and by my, through my feeling on this, the standard now is, well, whoever you are, wherever you are, if someone bad turns up, then you're immediately uh, associated with that that group or person, which is, if it's said out loud in an intellectually honest manner like that, is ludicrous, absolutely ludicrous. And yet somehow this argument was prosecuted out there. Um, that's probably more a statement, it's probably more a rant, actually. I feel like that was a rant, but it just, you probably don't even need to say anything about that, but it's just, you know, and somehow um, the cycle just allowed it to happen. It's, it's. I, I, I actually think that the sort of things that, that, that women who are now speaking on these issues are, are um, finding in their cells exposed to are probably the same sorts of things that the suffragettes um, experienced 100 years prior. It's the same sort of, there would have been the same sort of visceral anger about women wanting the vote, presumably. And they did suffer through a fair bit of violence too, which I've now been finding out about. And the other ironic thing about it is, you know, for, for our group to be called, you know, extreme and far right, you know, it was mostly left-wing women. Yeah. You know, the vast majority were left-wing women. Um, and, you know, like the LGB community is on my side because they're not allowed to be same-sex attracted. They have to be same-gender identity attracted, which is heterosexual, which is the most homophobic thing I've ever seen in law ever. I mean, I know that, you know, everyone has their idea about sexual ethics and in a multicultural society, you're going to have people that disagree on what's the right way to manage, you know, sexuality in a society for all sorts of different reasons and we can all agree to disagree and that's fine. But to see it in the law that you are not allowed to be same-sex attracted, you have to be saying gender identity attracted, I never thought that I would see that. Yeah. I just couldn't believe it. Yeah, it's so confusing. I find it very confusing. But it, it, is, it is literally just a bizarre sort of window we've gone into. Yet there is this sort of strange um, animosity for conservative women. We you know, hear all the time from the left about, you know, oh, women the sisterhood and all this sort of stuff. But there is no venom like the venom that comes from the left, female left to the female conservative, I reckon. I, I, don't, I don't feel as though I get the same sort of vitriol. So try harder. Um, to the lefties that are watching, probably very few. Uh, but certainly every time I see a, a, a woman who is, you know, espousing sensible conservative principles, they can jump on. And it's, uh, it's a, I just I can't make that phenomenon out. It's strange. Well, so I've been, I have to defend left-wing women here because they can be. Please do <laughs> Go on. Well, I think there's this elite group of left-wing women who are exactly as you describe. 
uh, and, and look, I do think that there has been a, an incredible amount of success um, in dividing women against each other and, um, you know, having women who, you know, getting women to view each other as enemies if they disagree on any other issue. I think that's been very successful across our society. But, you know, I've been working with um, especially left-wing lesbian women on this particular trans issue for uh, well over 10 years, just trying to join in and help help because You're right. we agree on this. And, and I have to give them so much credit because they had so much, so much distrust of me. Um, and, you know, a lot of it is born out of, real genuine trauma they have had real genuine horrendous experiences with perhaps conservative women or conservatives or they've read things in the paper that were not true but they didn't understand that they weren't true and so it's been interesting for them to see that they have been cast as transphobic and they said but i'm not transphobic i just disagree and i say yes and there are people that are called homophobic who aren't homophobic they just disagree they don't they don't wish you any harm they don't and so it's been this real amazing learning curve and um, I've just built up these amazing relationships with a whole bunch of women on the left. Yeah. And I just, I love them. They're politically savvy. They're hilarious. Yeah. Um, and because I come from the left, I really feel actually at home with them. And I've missed them, so I love hanging out. But so I left we women friends. I do think it is the elite class. I do think, not to sound like a socialist, but like I can't help but notice it's all these very elite, wealthy people who it's not going to impact to you. And her people wouldn't dare, you know, to do these things to them. Whereas all these people in the middle class and the lower classes and happens in their schools, no one hears about it. It gets shoved under the rug. They have no protection. They have no advocate. Um, and so, you know, women from every political party, we're all joining together. And they have defended me, me, a conservative woman who's pro-life, who's in the, you know, the hated liberal party, you know, the, you know, they would have told me I've internalized the patriarchy before. But after, you know, after getting to know me over the period of a decade, they've defended me at great personal cost. And I have so much respect for that because, you know, it's just that nuanced view. It's a more adult it's view of the world, you know? Yeah. 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 You're absolutely spot on. And I would draw like probably about less of them. I would draw that. Uh, I was only joking. And I do. But you're absolutely right. And in fact, I've seen that as well through my position on vaccine mandates. Um, a lot of the people that agree with me would be people that would, yeah, as a, have spoken about it before, you know, people who would have been probably traditional green folks. Uh, and having had that dialogue, here's the mo- here's the message, right? Having had that dialogue and a bit of the ability to talk to each other, we realised there was so much common ground and there's so much of that. In fact, even recently I spoke to a, a journalist uh, who was, you know, who was sort of historically from the left and, you know, we're agreeing on everything. So yeah. I think uh, you, we really do have to, and uh, me included, get away from this left and right thing. It's almost a pro-human movement. Yeah, and what? No, that's why I love the Liberal Party. I do think that we have the only answer to these problems, which is the freedom to agree or disagree without destroying each other's lives and ability to earn money, yep. you know, without accusing each other of having terrible motives, um, you know, just freedom of association, reasonable freedom of speech. The reasonable, you know, our Liberal Party values are the only answer yeah. to having a multicultural society where people are going to disagree, unless we all want to go to civil war and, you know, get rid of everyone who doesn't agree. You know, or you could go the totalitarian way, like Labor is going, and Greens are the socialists. You know, they're just going to crush people so that they are so exhausted and so broken that they, like in 1984, they just confess to things that they don't believe, like, you know, like trans women are with. 
Quite right. Quite right. Uh, and, and I mean, you've you know, you take on some of these other issues. We're pretty outspoken about mandates, vaccine mandates, and all sorts of other things. It's yeah, but this is the job. Is the problem? The job is, you know, there is such a uh, unnatural disconnect between the real world and politics. I think I don't know. I don't know why we don't have more people who can come into this and speak about these issues because they're not dangerous. Like the sky doesn't fall in. Even when you you know you're going through. Um, the trauma and turmoil that you're going through, the reality is there are lots and lots of people who are with it, lots. And the media love to, in my mind, and I remind them of this routinely, by the way, um, because I just like it. Um, but, uh, and I'll get wood doctors here, they love to puff themselves up as being more influential and important than they are, but we don't, I don't buy that. Or, I mean, I don't, it gets written in, 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 in the paper these days. I mean, I just sort of, I don't even really listen to it. So, People out there are not fooled. Um, it's like there's an underground movement now of common sense. I reckon it's the overwhelming majority. I don't know. Do you, what's been your experience? Are you finding people are, you know, stopping you and you know, sort of urging you to keep going, or you know, what's been the experience? Uh, look, I mean, it's been successful in terms of the defamation. Like there are huge swathes of society and people in my area. You know, I just got an email this morning when I got off the plane from a community group who were very happy to have me help them until they looked up what has been said about me. And they think I got expelled because I actually did have associations with an artist. Yeah. And that's just horrendous to me. Um, look, I think even even the journal, the journalist, sorry, like the journalistic class, even they... They know this is too far on the transgender issue. They are part of they are part of that group who say to me, "Oh, quietly, I agree with you." He said, "We have this agreement with Acon, and I'm not allowed to use these and things like that." <clears throat> and, you know, um, it, this is going to require courage. It's going to require people to just stand up and um, take the hits. And really, that's what you're right. That's what we're paid to do. You know, we are liberal. We we are pre-selected Liberal Party MPs and our one job is to win the argument. We are to run through that media gauntlet of ridiculous um, clickbait lies and we are to stand strong and advocate for the values that we were hired to advocate for. Um, and, I, and I just think that People have probably decided that politics is, le- you know, best left to the professionals. But I just think that's garbage now. Look what they've done to us. And I care if you have no qualifications. And I care if you're a cleaner. <laughs> I don't care, you know. It's probably better if you are. Right? You know, we just need people who have conviction and aren't going to be, um, you know, lost in a cloud of weasel words as if, oh, oh no, I'm so confused because they've wedged us on this issue. It's like, it's not very confusing. Grown men absolutely should not be going into change rooms with little girls and women. It's not actually confusing. It's not hard. It's a winning argument and it's the right thing to do. And people are with you. Yes. And if they were, you could win them over in under five minutes. Not this I've never ever had a single person that I couldn't win over in under five minutes. They either agree with me or they walk off in a huff, which also shows that I won't. <laughs> Capitulation on the argument. There is so much more we could cover, but... Um, this is the lady. Thank you for coming on Base Podcast and uh, enhancing your based credentials because we are now officially based. Uh, so, Moira, thank you. And um, if I think we've worked a lot of people with it. Thanks for having me. And yeah, well done to you on all the 
work that you do. I'm just a lab man. I know there's nothing in special about this. This is just shouting into the balloon, I think. So, um, mm. it's having an impact. Thanks for that. Thanks for coming. Right. See you soon. <laughs>